from crafter to business owner in today's episode of the Makers and Nerds podcast. So let's get to it. Welcome to another episode of the Makers and Nerds podcast, where I chat with makers and nerds all about their passions and hobbies and how they are making money with it. I'm your host, Marcelo Lewin, a maker and a nerd. In this episode, I speak with Joe Siegel, a crafter turned business owner, about her journey and how she was able to identify a need in her local market that other crafters had but was not being met. But before I bring her on, I just want to remind you to visit makersandnerds.com to join our community of makers and nerds helping each other make money with our hobbies and passion. All right, let's get Joe in. Joe, welcome to the podcast. Glad to have you here. Well, thank you for having me. Now, I'm calling you Joe because he, I'm here in the U.S., but let's let's pronounce your name the way it should be. Um, go ahead and tell us. Yeah, it's Yorel. Yorel. And your last name, go ahead and pronounce it the proper way. Siegel. But Siegel. my dad's actually American, so Siegel is actually quite correct as well. Ah, okay. okay. And your mom is? Dutch. Dutch. And yeah. and you're also Dutch. You were? I'm, I was born and raised in Amsterdam, yeah. But ah. she, uh, yeah, she has a very Dutch last name, van der Lucht. So it's very with Dutch. That is very yeah. Dutch. Yes, definitely. You got to know how to pronounce from the throat here. That's no, the key. So you're very lucky I got my dad's last name. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to stick with the American version, which is Josie, all right? Anyway, glad to have you here. Let's get started. Are you a maker? Are you a nerd? Or are you both? Both. Definitely both. Yeah. Yep. So sure. what does being a nerd mean to you? Well, it's really funny because the word nerd for me always had sort of like a negative connotation. Right. Because, you know, when I was growing up, a nerd was just someone with glasses. Right. And a teacher who sat behind his computer all day doing geeky stuff. I think you just um, described me. Sorry? I said, I think you just described me. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, and to be honest, I was a nerd. I mean, I grew up with my dad who was in, in, in tech. So he had a computer at home from quite young and you know i was uh, 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 the star female player in quake 2 and i made websites and stuff at age 15 so i mean you can quite safely say i was a nerd minus the glasses and the geeky t-shirts but it did always have a negative sort of meaning to me yeah well and and it is not just to you is I think that happens uh, with a lot of people. And that's the goal of this podcast, right, is to also say, hey, you know what? Being a nerd is actually really cool. And I think nerds are super cool. And there's many people that think nerds are super cool. Right. Um, so that's cool. So being a nerd is a good thing. So congratulations on that. So <laughs> let's talk about some things you nerd out on, which I know you nerd on some things that I like as well. They're right behind right. me. So tell us yes. about things you nerd out on. Well, Lego is definitely a big thing. I got back into Lego. Like, I was a big Lego nerd when I was younger. But I guess you kind of grow out of it. And I think back when I grew up, things were very black and white. Lego was for kids, not right. for grown-ups. Right. So at one point, you start, you know, getting out of that. And then COVID hit. And I have health issues, so I had to stay at home. And the kids I was looking after, they had this huge collection of Lego. And, you know, I spent days doing Lego with them and I had so much fun and they were so happy because 
I was the best finder of Lego pieces and the best <laughs> Lego builder. And I kind of sort of refound my passion of Legos. And when the first Friends, like the series set right. came out, I was like, I have to have that. Like I cannot have Friends was such a big part of me, you know, growing up. And it kind of just spiraled out of control from there. <laughs> when COVID hit, I figured I'll get some Lego sets, you know, to get me through the sitting at home because I had to be confined like 100%. I couldn't go out. I had to stay safe. And yeah, I started building my sets. And now I have multiple collection buildings, cars, brick heads, the, the Star Wars heads and the plants collection. So yeah, kind of got out of hand. Well, I'm, as it happens with all nerdy hobbies, right? I mean, they yeah. tend to get out of hand. And that's the whole goal with this podcast, too, is how do we make yeah. money with this so we can, you know, continue right. doing this cool stuff. Yeah. Uh, but I can totally relate. You know, I mean, I was into Legos as a kid. Then I stopped because yeah. Legos were for kids, right? And then we got yeah. them for our kids. And, like, you know, exactly. I didn't do any of that stuff. Yeah. And then uh, my son gave me one of the, as you can see right here, one of the helmets and that kind of triggered in something inside of me. And then, yeah, yeah, now I'm on my fourth set. I'm not as many sets as you, but I can see this slowly getting out of control, but it is yeah. fun. Definitely. Well, and now that you have the Lego sets that are really catered towards adults, right? Exactly. That yeah. helps. That I think helps they've quite figured bit. out that Lego has now become acceptable again for grownups. That's because and, being a nerd is cool. Seriously. I mean, they do market it that yeah, way. Yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah, definitely. So, um, so yeah, that's a big thing. And crafting, crafting, making stuff is, is another thing that I, I Well, that's my doing. next question is what is it that you make, which is, of course, you're a crafter. Uh, so yeah. let's talk a little bit about that. What, what do you make as a crafter? And explain to people that may not understand what is the meaning of a crafter? Yeah. Well, I mean, a crafter is just kind of someone who takes paper or... Uh, a vinyl or heat transfer vinyl which is basically sticker paper and you make stuff out of it and either like from the paper you can make cards wish cards or um i mean there's so much to make you can make photo frames layered photo frames and you put lights behind it and it becomes really pretty and yeah there's just so much and then with the vinyl and the heat transfer vinyl you can make uh, stickers that you put on your laptop and on your water bottles. Right. And, you know, um, there's I mean, so much stuff. The imagination make. is the limit, right, on crafting. Yes. And, like, you can put on anything. I put stuff on my car, and then, you know, you, I mean, we just got a composting bin, so I'm going to put it on that. And it's really just the kind of personalized stuff that you just buy random and bland and kind of make your own. Um which is really fun and creative and, and yeah. What got you into crafting? Well, it's really funny because I, I always said to Tim, I'm not creative at all. Uh, Tim being I your husband. Felt, yes. Because um, to me, creative was someone who was really good at making music or was really good at like designing stuff, which I'm not, right. you know. Um, but it turns out that you can be creative without, you know, designing stuff yourself like you can make a lot of stuff without uh designing it right and um yeah i i actually had uh, my own company selling corgi stuff uh we have two dogs now but we had one first miss princess nugget um and yeah it was really funny um i quickly realized how popular corgi butts were the fluffy and the wiggle and 
you know, I was joking around with my husband, Tim, and it's like, you know, we should put corgi belts on like leggings or joggings or something so that people can wiggle their own corgi butt. And that <laughs> exploded. They went viral. I sold like so many of them. And I started, you know, selling other corgi stuff. Um, but so I wait mean, a minute. So so this is interesting. So you first of all, you identify this in your dog. <laughs> and yeah. then you went from there one day and said, you know, we should put this on on people's clothing. And yes. and how did so so that was the idea. So what did you do? Did you design it? Did you then send it out to get it printed? How did that process work? Yeah, so Tim helped me design it because, as I said, I'm not a big designer myself. I, I now know how to use Photoshop and all that, but I didn't at the time. Um, so he helped me make the design of the Corgi butt. And, yeah, so I had to find out, like, how, how do I do this? And I actually tumbled up on print-on-demand pod, mm -hmm. as they call it, um, which is really um, a, a nifty way to start your own business without getting too much financially invested. Because basically how it works is you make a design, you upload it on the print-on-demand website, and it's 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 pay as you go. So you link it to either a Shopify website or an Etsy website, and the second someone orders my product, it will get sent automatically to the print-on-demand company. They will make it for me. I will pay for it. And then obviously through Etsy, I get paid for them. Got but it. if I don't sell i don't pay there's no inventory there's there's no, nothing for you to lose nothing. right if so somebody it's, buys it gets done and somebody exactly. doesn't buy nothing happens so basically the only investment yeah. i did was um test test prints because the way the, right. the, the garments are made you know you have the left butt cheek the right butt cheek and they get sewn together but they also get printed together. So making the Corgi bots work on a seam with print on right. demand was a very big challenge. So I, I, I invested a bit in that, but usually, um, yeah, print on demand is, 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 is very, very minimum investment. Yeah. To start your own company. So I love, I love what you did. I mean, you literally, first of all, you were a crafter just playing around doing hobbies because of COVID staying well, busy with that. That came after that came after this. Oh, so that came after. So this triggered yes. the crafting. Yeah. So actually the crafting came when COVID hit ah. and I was all of a sudden, you know, forced to stay home because I'm at risk. And I started getting bored, you know, Lego gets you so far at, at, at killing time. And I was like, why, you know, it would be fun to kind of, instead of, you know, letting the print on demand company do everything, like maybe I could make stuff and sell that. So that's how I kind of got into, like, there's, there's cutting machines. Mm -hmm. um, so basically what they do is you have a software and you can design stuff on it and you send it to the cutting machine, which will cut it for you, which is great for me because I have rheumatism in my hands. So mm -hmm. doing stuff with scissors and stuff is not, you know, ideal. Right. And a cutting machine, it cuts it out for you and it cuts fabrics, vinyl. You can even do like balsa wood. I don't know what it's called. in, in, in Yeah, balsa in, wood. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's lots of options. You can do engraving and stuff. So it's like, huh. That's kind of neat. So I, I invested in one of them and it's, it's a cricket is the brand and it's called the cricket maker. And yeah, I started selling um, vinyl, you know, vinyl decals, like the one I have on my, um, on my, right. on my, 
water bottle, but also um, as it cuts fabric, I started showing uh, mouth masks that I sold with corgi fabric, which was a big, big hit. Um, and that's kind of how I got into crafting because I figured, well, I don't just have to do stuff to sell. I can make fun stuff for myself as well. And yeah, it was really just fun to to make stuff and find out that these people really like what I do. I wanted to buy what I made. It's like, yeah, that's really cool. You know, I thought I wasn't creative. And then in the end, there's actually lots of people that really like what I do. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Well, there's an important lesson there because it sounds like you didn't um, seek out and, and said, what can I do to sell that people will buy? You did what you wanted to do and just yep. attracted the people that like the same yeah. thing you did. Yeah. which is really important, right? Because otherwise you don't love what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, in the end, if you were to, to, to seek out to start a business yourself, you know, I, I see lots of people in, in the print on demand groups that I follow on Facebook that are really just going like, oh, I'll do t-shirts. Right. And it's like, yeah, but there's like millions of people selling t-shirts. I think the reason that I had my success is that I was madly passionate about what I was selling because I love my dog. I love to breed. I love the people who love the breed because there's a big community of corgi owners. Right. And it was really just fun getting into contact with these people and, you know, getting messages. Oh, my God, I love my corgi butt leggings. And, oh, you know, I was out and about and people were asking, like, where did you get that mask? Because it's so cute. And it's like, it's just really fun to kind of share the passion that you have. And I think that's a big part of sort of being successful in what you do eventually is that, you love it. If you don't love it, people are going to feel right. that you don't love it, right? And that's so, the whole point of a hobby, right? You only do what you love in a hobby, exactly. right? So yeah. how did you build that community uh, to, to be able to market to them? I mean, were you just in groups? Tell us that process of building yeah. it. Because it sounds yeah. like you built the community before you started selling this. Am I right? Yeah, because yeah, yeah. I, I was on Facebook and Instagram with with Nugget. Um, um, uh, with 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 just accounts and and quickly realized that especially in the states corgis are just very popular so even just posting pictures of her doing just day-to-day -day right. stuff yeah people loved it and so the idea of the corgi butt leggings yeah that was just i think it was really funny it was on my birthday and on that day i received the um, the samples and i put them on and tim took some pictures for fun like nothing serious just pictures and I posted them on Instagram, I think, and it gets automatically pasted to Fostalk. And I said, listen, look, mom has gone completely crazy. She has corgi butt leggings with the link to my Etsy page, right? Yeah, you where you had that product, yeah. Yeah, and we were at dinner and my phone just went bling, bling, bling. <laughs> I was like, what's happening here? And apparently someone had posted them on this big social media thing on Facebook and they went completely viral. I think I sold hundreds in the first month. It was insane. And it was and you it was you posting it on on you said Instagram, oh, no. which also post posted on Facebook. Yeah, and people picked it up from my Facebook page and then just shared it on their pages and then a nine gag picked it up. Um, what else? Uh, Did you use TikTok at all? I mean, I see TikTok being a big part of of, of doing this kind yeah. of stuff now. Yeah, I do now. Okay. So, is that an for, important thing that people should get into TikTok from from a maker perspective? I think so. Yes. Yeah. Mm. I mean, I think that um, nowadays. 
TikTok is not really a thing that you cannot do. <laughs> Interesting. Um, even though, yeah, even though for me, it's sort of out of my comfort range. Because, yeah. you know, when you make an account, all you get is dancing people and people yeah. just doing random shit that I'm not interested in. It's like, what am I I got an account and there? I deleted but it too because to of that. Yeah. Exactly. But Tim said, just, you, you have to like, like you have to start liking videos and watching videos so that TikTok picks up on your algorithm and what you like. And then you actually get content that's meant for you. And so, yeah, I started liking crafting stuff and some cat and dog stuff and stuff, but mostly crafting stuff. So now my TikTok is actually quite catered to me and mm. with some hashtags you can use. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't think nowadays you can do, I'm, I'm, I'm having issues with, with properly growing my TikTok. It's not my medium. Facebook is really my medium because Facebook groups are huge in the crafting community. Right. People share stuff and you can't share on TikTok, right? You right. can show on TikTok, but you can't interact like you do on Facebook, right? So for me, Facebook is much more important. Um, but I think personally, it depends hugely on your niche. Right. There will yeah. be niches that are very suitable for TikTok. There's niches that are much more suitable for Twitter, for example, which I, I don't use at all. Mm -hmm. um, Instagram I use, but it's, it's less successful than Facebook because you can't share either. Right. Um, so, yeah, I think that really depends a lot on your niche, what you're selling, what you're you know trying to get out there. Um, yeah, because that, that makes a big difference. What about Pinterest? Because I know my wife is also a crafter and she's always yeah. looking at things in Pinterest. How important is Pinterest for a crafter? It's really funny because I think it's really important. I have a Pinterest account, so I have all... Because, um, I mean, I think we forgot to mention, but I actually now own a crafting supply shop. Mm. Um, We're going to talk about that too, yeah. Yes, and so all my products are actually also synced to Pinterest and all my... I think it's my Instagram posts that also automatically go onto Pinterest. And without doing anything, I think I have like 30 or 40K unique views every month. In Pinterest? Um, yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. So it's, it's a big platform. Um, and I probably should be doing more with it, but I don't understand it. <laughs> right. I don't, I don't understand how to work Pinterest. Right. And, and um, you're also busy doing the business, right? And doing the crafting and doing everything exactly. too. So yeah, yeah that's, that's the key uh, to that. So uh, yeah. you mentioned something that you, you've got to uh, love what you do and find your uniqueness. How important is that? So important. Because... Nowadays, you can so easily start your own business from home, right? Um, so there's you and there's about 100 other people that are maybe going to, you know, try the same thing as you. So unless you found your niche or your, what I like to say, hole in the market. So a place where there's nothing that's being done that you want to offer, um, yeah, I think if you don't have that, if you haven't done like proper market research to find out if there's actually a demand for what you want to offer, um, I think you're setting yourself up for failure for sure. Um, I don't think it's very, it, and it's going to be very frustrating as well. Like starting right. your own business is very difficult to begin with. And then if if you, you don't have the right market, if you don't have the right people, um, and marketing wise, uh, it makes it a lot easier 
if you find something unique that you're passionate about that you can share with other people than just randomly sort of throwing stuff out there without knowing if that will connect with the people you're trying to connect to, right? Right. No, that makes total sense. And you found your niche, right? I mean, you, there was a hole in the market. You're in France. You're located in yeah. France, yeah. south of France. And you said, I remember we spoke a little bit before the interview, and you mentioned that there was this hole in the market. Explain your niche, what that hole in the market was, and how you basically plugged that hole, yeah. right? Yeah. So when the COVID hit and I bought my cricket machine and I started making stuff with vinyl and paper stuff, I quickly realized that the materials that you could buy here in France were extremely limited. Like mm -hmm. when you're talking about vinyl, it's like it can, it can be colored, it can be holographic, it can be anything you like basically. But here you had monocolors, so green, blue, black. You had some options in the, the prettier kinds, but it was wildly expensive for tiny pieces of paper that you go through really quickly. And I was like, there has to be a better way, right? So um, on Instagram, I was following a, a company called TechRepCraft um, that had the most beautiful vinyls and each transform vinyls. And I ordered from them for my own creation so I could at least offer stuff that was, you know, fun and attractive. Right. And I got really, really impressed by the quality. It's like, wow, you know, this stuff is, 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 is easy to work with. It's pretty. It has this wow effect that you kind of want, you know, people uh, when they're looking for vinyl decals, they want something that says, wow, that's right. cool, you know. Right. And. Um, it was so much less expensive than what I paid here. Like I would pay for like a paper of, of we do centimeters here. I think it's 12 mm -hmm. by 12 inch. Um, you know, here I would pay like six, seven euros for that. While for 12 euros, I get, I get a whole roll, you know, which was 12 inch by five feet, you know. Okay. So right. big difference. Cost, it was huge, you know, the difference. So, you know, I thought to myself, I already had my business because I, I was selling Corgi stuff. So I was allowed to sell other stuff as well. It's like, why don't I just see with the company if they have a resale problem, which they did. So I contacted them and said, listen, I'm in France um, and I'm very interested in becoming a reseller. And they were very, very, very positive. So uh yeah so and at that time there were no resellers in france right of this? no at all no i was the, the very first yeah so that was so, the hole you found exactly so what i actually did before becoming an official reseller is i had built quite a, a, a stock of of this stuff um i had bought quite a few rolls and i basically just went on my on, on a couple of my uh, facebook pages for french crafting groups and just asked people like listen um, I found that it's quite expensive to buy crafting supplies here in France. I found a company that has quality products um, that I can offer for less money and you'll have more special products. And people were wildly enthusiastic. They were like, oh my God, and this is amazing. And I've never seen anything like it. Yes, I would be interested. So I started selling off my stock that I had and I literally sold out in 10 minutes the first time I put everything wow. online. Um, so that quickly made it quite clear to me that there was a huge demand for that kind of stuff. Um, and that the prices that I was selling them at were actually quite correct as well, because people were very willing to pay. Um, so yeah, so, so that's when I applied to become an official reseller. And 
uh, started ordering rolls and rolls and stuff. And that's how it kind of started. Yeah. So that's, is that your main business now is reselling? Yep. Yep. So yep. right now you can't see it, but I'm looking at a big closet full of vinyl rolls, HTV rolls. And I've actually, you know, uh, uh, how do you say I made it bigger. I'm now selling uh, accessories as well. So when you I see, so you expanded your line of, of yes, products. I'm selling cups, which is very uh, the, the the plastic cups, mm-hmm. you know the the, the 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 Starbucks ones, but without the Starbucks on it. Is right, obviously not allowed to sell that. Um, yeah, so pre- pretty much crafting supplies in the larger sense, so not just the the the, the vinyl and the heat transfer vinyl, but also stuff you can personalize and. And that as well, I quickly realized that there was no market for that. There was a market, but no one was doing it. Right. Everyone was looking at TikTok, Instagram, and seeing everyone decorating cups, but no one was selling them. And they would go on, on Amazon and find three cups for 50 euros and going like, I'm not going to pay 50 euros for three plastic cups. And I'm selling them three euros a piece. So, you know. Huge difference, uh, yeah. Yeah, it's a big difference. So... Um, yeah, I mean, as I said, I found the hole in the market. <laughs> so I found I found the demand that you you kind of need before you start a business, basically. Yeah. Right. And would you call that? Would, would it? Did you do research to find that hole, or was it just pure luck that you know, just part of that hobby experience? Yeah. You just happened to say, "Oh, wow, um, I need this." You explain you needed it, you found it, and then exactly. you kind of, yeah. yeah. So would you? Would you? M- think this is more of an ax- a happy accident or or do you recommend that people do more experience uh, uh, more research Wait. both i mean for me it was a happy accident in the sense that because i was looking for materials myself i realized that they weren't there the materials that i wanted weren't there but they were available elsewhere so i can bring them to friends and make them available here um but I did do my research. So before I actually started selling, before I invested thousands of euros in actually buying the stuff, right? Um, I did do research. So I went on, on on Facebook and really did polls. So I asked people like, listen, what are you? And even after I started my own Facebook page, my own Facebook group, and literally just asked people, like I showed them pictures, are you interested in this? Would you be interested in that? Like if I would, you know, sell it at this price, would that be a good price point for you? Like I, I really... Um, yeah, I really did do research into kind of finding this happy medium between me still being able to make money, right. but also not being at the price point that I wasn't willing to pay for the same materials, you know? Right. Um, I wasn't necessarily looking to, to, to go like, ooh, you know, I buy these for, you know, random prices, it's not the, the real price that I pay. I pay them for $2 and then I'll, I'll, I'll sell them for 20 just because I can. That was never the deal. I really just wanted to make available to French crafters what was available to me. And I think what's important to note as well is that the French, the French market mm-hmm. is a very particular one. Uh, French are what they call francophobe, so or fran- francophonic. So they 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 talk French, English. They learn in school, but they're very uncomfortable with. So buying stuff online, which is not in France, mm-hmm. they're very uncomfortable with that. They're very uncomfortable in buying stuff in English in another country where they don't know where it's coming from, where they don't know where it's going to arrive. So the fact that I speak French and I'm situated in France, so there's no customs, there's no 
funny stuff going on. Right. They come with a French carrier. Um, that's for me made it a lot easier to start my business here. Like, I don't know if I was in the U S if I would have started this business, because in the U S it's very different, you know, for the U S there's so much available in English, right. so much targeted to U S market, whereas nothing is targeted to the French market. So I think for me, yeah. Um, I found that, that possibility because I was in France, because I speak French, um, it was on the one hand an happy medium, but I think on the other hand, I do have a knack for sort of finding the need of some stuff, especially here in France. So, mm. yeah. Very interesting. So what, what I'm hearing from you really is you've got to build your community, number one. You've got to empathize with your community because you're part of it, right? Uh, don't rip off your community. Like you said, you could be making tons more money if you really wanted to, but um, you're part of that community, right? And in the long term, doing that is probably going to hurt you exactly. versus help yeah. you, right? Yeah. So uh, I love that. That's really that's really interesting. But now that you now you so you went from crafter, now you're a supplier, a crafter supplier. Yeah. Now you're running a business. How do you balance the running of the business and being the business person with your crafting and that creative, I want outlet, right? That you want to create yeah, yeah. stuff. How do you balance that? Well, it's really funny. Sometimes it's difficult because right. um, I've changed how I run my business at the beginning of this year, which has made it easier to have more time for crafting. Um, it's become a lot less slow maintenance just to say. Um, so I had more time now. Um, but it's sometimes still hard. Uh, you know, as I mentioned a bit, I have health issues, um, right. which keep me in bed a lot. And I, I, I tend to have a lot of times that I don't have a lot of energy. And even though crafting is fun and it gives me energy, um, I still have to have the energy to do stuff. Right. And, um, yeah, so it's, it's a little bit of a balance. But I mean... I do sometimes just say like, hey, I'm going to go down to my room, to my crafting room, and I'll just lock myself up and make fun stuff. And I recently discovered the sublimation printers, which is an all other kind of crafting. So I've been making so much fun stuff with that. So, And then I also get to craft kind of to promote my business because, you know, when you show a photo of just a roll of crafting vinyl, people don't necessarily see what they can do with it and what the outcome will be. So I will actually spend, you know, half a day cutting out stuff, you know, cutting out vinyl, cutting out each strands for vinyl, putting them on, on t-shirts, making right. videos to really just show people like, listen, look, this is the type of vinyl and this is kind of what it looks like when you actually make something out of it. So I do kind of get to combine a little bit, even though that's not necessarily the kind of crafts I would do before I started mm -hmm. selling, um, it's still fun to do. It's it's still yeah. You're combining the activity. I love that because you're. It's something you need to do anyway. The marketing part, right? The exactly. promotion part. And why not combine that crafting that you love to do with your promotion? You're killing two birds with one stone, and exactly. you're yeah. you're you're doing good things, right? So yeah, it makes total sense. Yeah. Um, we got a couple of minutes left. Uh, what do you miss about the hobby days when you just did it for fun and there was no like, oh, I have to sell, uh, you know, all the business responsibilities, right? You were talking to me before you came on that you had to deal with 
government and taxes and all that. What do you miss about yeah. the hobby days? Um, well, it's funny, not that much actually, because you know, um, I don't have my old job anymore that I used to do besides my crafting. So this is now my my full time job basically. Got it. And you know, as I said, I've made it a lot low, more low maintenance, which leaves me actually quite a lot of time to do crafting. Um, so for me, yeah, I, I don't really miss much. You found uh, that happy I, balance. Yeah. And also, I mean, you know, what I earn with, with my company has, you know, made, let me invest in crafting supplies, crafting stuff, you know, that I wouldn't have been able to invest in without my business. So in a sense, it's actually better now because I have more crafting supplies and I can do more than what I could do before without having to go, um, Tim, can I have <laughs> money to my crafting supplies, please? You know, I think right. as, as, as a crafter, when you're talking to crafters, all people know is that you spend more time and money buying crafting supplies than actually <laughs> using them to make stuff with it. So, <laughs> oh, I yeah. can tell you stories about my wife and all the tools she has a crafter, exactly. and there's always a new tool. But you know, I, I I'm not making fun at all, and don't blame you guys because I'm the oh. same way with all of my hobbies. Right? There's yeah. always something new you could buy. Exactly. Uh, totally makes sense. Yeah. Uh, final question for you. Uh, the most important tip that you can give someone wanting to go from hobby to business or uh, something you would have wish you would have known back then before you went from hobby to business that other people should know. Well, I mean, I think as we talked about a little bit before, I think the most important thing is, is that what you want, what you're trying to sell or what you're trying to become a business of should be something you're passionate about that you can sell, that you can passionately sell and definitely do your homework like don't just start a business like, unless it's like pod you know where there's low investment Print on demand yeah even then it becomes very frustrating extremely disappointing if you've created something that to you seems like oh everyone should want that and then you're not selling and right. i think the way you can definitely avoid that is do your homework be passionate and share 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 i think that's the most important stuff nowadays share what you're passionate about and when people see how passionate you are yeah. people will be passionate you know all on their own yeah. yeah i love that joe be passionate and share i mean what a perfect way to end this conversation yeah. thank you so much for being here i really appreciate it oh, uh if people want to uh, get a hold of you with the shop at princessnugget.com be the best place or do you want to give your twitter or what or you don't need to do twitter but your instagram whatever else you do no i mean yeah on, on instagram on facebook and even on tiktok um, princess nugget crafts so princess as in princess, nugget as in the nuggets you buy at McDonald's and crap. <laughs> but better, but better. <laughs> but better, exactly. Uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm all over social media. So uh, if you want to get a hold of me or see what I do and what I'm selling, uh, yeah, you can find me there. Excellent. Thank you so much, Joe. I really appreciate it. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Makers and Nerds podcast. If you did, please subscribe and hit the like button. If you didn't, please leave a comment below and tell me why. Also remember to visit makersandnerds.com to join our community of makers and nerds helping each other make money with our hobbies and passion. And if you want to get a hold of me, just email me marcelo at makersandnerds.com. On a final note, remember to believe in yourself. I know you can do it. Take your hobby, go make money with it, and do what you love all the time, not just after work. Until the next one, see ya.